This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Now, besides Rodgers, I've noticed, I mean, Lazardo, who is who's been phenomenal so far this yeah. year. Yep. He dominated the Mets. Wade Miley kept the Mets pretty much wrapped up too. Is it something with the lefty? Trevor Rogers pitched like crap. He couldn't find the strike zone. He had a lot of issues. So I'll give him a pass. The Mets are struggling against lefties. Am I they didn't do well against lefties last year. I mean, the Mets had issues against lefties a year ago. A part of that is, you know, their DH situation. The Tommy fan played well, excuse me, on Sunday when he got in the lineup. But, yeah, last year they had big issues against lefties. A couple of things about the minor leagues. We'll read some of your emails. Obviously, we're paying a lot of attention to Brett Beatty and how his thumb is doing. Paying a lot of attention to Francisco Alvarez, Mark Vientos, who's been playing first base. The Ronnie Mauricio thing makes no sense to me. Ronnie Mauricio is hitting the ball well at AAA, so he's continued uh, what he did offensively in winter ball, what he did in spring training. He's doing it at Syracuse. That's great. That's the good news. The bad news is he is still playing shortstop. So Ronnie Mauricio is a step away from the major leagues. He is a switch hitter who's got pop from both sides. He could make so much freaking sense for this baseball team in the next couple of months. And they're still running him out at the one position that you really, really, really don't need somebody. I can make the argument, other than first base, that shortstop is the one position that, barring a surprising injury, there's no scenario you'll play. I could see you playing second, McNeil could play the outfield. I could see you playing third. Beatty's got a bad thumb. I could see you playing left. I could even see you playing center. If you're great, you move Nimmo to a corner outfield spot. Shortstop is the most set position the New York Mets have. And Ronnie Mauricio's playing shortstop every day. Like, what the? F- I was about to say a really bad word. What the F are they doing? Like, can he play a different position so that if he's ready to get to the majors, he can play that position? All right, so I'm not I don't want to pick on the guy, but this makes too much sense. He's not making a lot of money. If you get rid of Vogelbach somehow, trade him or whatever the case is, Mauricio comes up, he's a gonna be a better bat. He's they call him like the young Jordan Alvarez. I mean, you talk about a guy that's got pop, you got a guy that could play the field, do more things than just sit there and just try to hit balls, dude. He is would be such an asset. I know people talk about Brett Beatty, but I think I think Mauricio is going to be the best out of all of them. Yeah, but by the way, you're right 
about DH being his role potentially because of the fact that he doesn't have a position other than shortstop. So that's fine. And you're right that that that's what his role would be, but why wouldn't you have him in other positions so that he has that versatility? You know, they're, 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 they're hypocrites in a way, because if they care so much about defensive versatility and having a guy at the major league level who can play multiple positions, well, why not in the minors? Wouldn't you have Mauricio everywhere? And, and, and I'll tell you exactly where I want him. It's not third base because Brett Beatty's playing third base down there, and he's probably the future third baseman. It's sticking him in the outfield. That's the answer. Stick his ass in left field. And if he looks like Todd Hundley out there, boo-hoo for the Syracuse Met fans. At least we find out. That'd be my answer. Now let's get to some of your emails. We got a lot of them, and I apologize that we haven't read many over the last few weeks. Uh, John Monahan completely agree. Max needs to be better. He bleeped the bed when we needed him the most last season. He's looked horrible this season. And like you said, I'm sure he'll be on the IL within the next month. <laughs> Despite all that, I think you constantly minimize what Max did the entirety of last season. Those quote, meaningful games at the end of last season would have never happened. If Max wasn't on the team, he pitched 145 innings, had a 2.62 ERA and was the heart and soul of the rotation for five months while Jakey milked his sore lat. <laughs> don't, don't start with me about the Grom, all right? Because if you guys are going to be smart asses about the Grom, then you, you want me to? Six innings, 11 strikeouts, two runs, and the Texas Rangers won. I, I mean, we'll play that game all day. Want to compare Jake's numbers to Verlander's numbers? I'll do it for you. Jake's got a really high ERA because his first start was really bad. Justin Verlander doesn't have any RA because he hasn't pitched. <laughs> but that's right. Jay, Jakey was milking his injuries all season long because he's soft. The only guy that won a playoff game. The only guy that showed up in the games that matter. But, yeah, he was milking so loud. Um, You hate judging teams and players off small sample sizes, for example, 2023. But you love destroying Max based off a of small sample size. If he continues to look like this in 2023 – I'll be the first to admit I'm wrong, and I'll be crying for Jake back. But Max was a pivotal part of the 2022 team, and he will be for the 2023 team as well. All in all, I think you need to give Max more credit for what he did in 2022 and be more optimistic for what he can turn into in 2023. Love the show. Hope you guys have a wonderful opening day. Uh, and, and I love this, though. John signed his name as a Mets fan eating out of Max's palm. So I appreciate that. He has a good sense of humor. I don't think I've ever, and if I have, I apologize. I don't think I've ever diminished what he did last year. He had a very good regular season. He missed a lot of time, to be fair about that. But when he pitched, he was mostly really, really good. I don't know, because they won 101 games and made the playoffs by a large margin, that I can say they wouldn't have had those big games without Max. I don't know if I can say that. I I don't know. I know that your performance as a starting pitcher is more than just the games you started. Sometimes you can impact the game after that you pitched based on bullpen usage. But I can't say they're not playing meaningful games if there's no Max Scherzer. I mean, they won 101 games, and Scherzer missed a big chunk of the year. But he was great last year when he pitched. I don't think I've ever not acknowledged that. As far as sample sizes are concerned, what are we supposed to do? He's paid to win big games. He started two 
really big games last year. He sucked in both of them. Like, I get that sample size matters, and, and normally it wouldn't be fair to judge a guy off of two of them, but those were the biggest games he pitched. So we're supposed to say, no big deal. He was great in April. No big deal. He pitched six perfect innings against the Brewers in September and act like that matters more. It is what it is. He was bad in those big games. Andrew Wass. Andrew writes, hey, guys, thanks for being the voice of the people. Wow, we're the voice of the people and making the podcast continually. Yeah, we try to do it a lot. We do. He had a a suggestion for a segment that we have some kind of call in line or a voicemail segment. So, Pete, how do you want to handle that? You want to do something like that? Yeah, the best thing to do is if you guys just uh, on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram as well, at the Hoff, WFAN, just send me like a 30-second, no more than 30-second video clip on DM, and I can pull the audio, and then we'll play it back that way. That's the easiest. That I, there you uh, go. So take care of that, and we'll have some of your audio throughout. Just don't bash the Grom. I'm just kidding. You can bash the Grom. I, I do have an observation about Jake, by the way, that's negative. So I, I, everybody sit down. I got a negative DeGrom observation. I watched his two starts. Obviously not intently as I could because the Mets were on both times, opening day and then the Wednesday day. There's something missing. This, like, he, he's reminding me of what happened last year where he will look dominant for about three or four innings. And you're like, oh, that's Jake. And then his command is off. He can't put guys away. I saw that in the game against the Orioles on Wednesday. So Jacob DeGrom over the first four innings is perfect. Strikes out eight guys. I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, he's going to pitch a perfect game. In the fifth inning, he threw 30 pitches. He could not put guys away. His command was just a little bit off. And he ended up fighting through the inning. Defense didn't help him out and got through the sixth inning. Again, not an easy inning. It was a laborious inning. So game ends, six innings, two runs, 11 strikeouts. Great but it it was something off. And I don't know if that's going to just change. I don't know if that's just who he is. He can still be really effective, but it was strange because I remember seeing that a lot after he came back from the IL last year where he wasn't the same guy. And now it's expanding into another year. So I don't know what that means. I don't know what that turns into, but I've noticed that about him. Yeah, but didn't he always have moments like that? Like, did remember that one game where he... Couldn't get out of like, it. Was like, I think he came back after an injury. Someone like that was like pitched like 40 pitches yeah. in the first inning. Yeah. Didn't allow a run. He battled. He was able yes. to get through it. So he's always had those moments. He's had those moments, but it seems like those moments are happening every game. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Like every single, he doesn't have eight dominant innings call it a day. You know, I thought this start against the Orioles was it because he goes four perfect. It was like 48 pitches. He's dominating. And then in the fifth inning, just a laborious inning. It's only two starts this year, but I'm judging it off of last year because that happened last year. Like even the games that I'm complimenting him for where he didn't crap the bed, 
it wasn't easy against the San Diego Padres in game two. It was not. He, he was on the ropes a couple of times in that game. It wasn't easy against the Braves, a game that they lost. Gave up a bunch of home runs. So I, it's a knock on DeGrom, but it's just a fair observation that I don't think, and this should make us all feel better, if you're like me and you who didn't want to see this guy go, I don't think we are ever going to see Jacob DeGrom, Jacob DeGrom. Like, I think we may see a really good Jacob DeGrom, but I don't know if we're ever going to miss out on dominant Jacob DeGrom. It just feels like something's off. Anyhow, let me finish this guy's email after he uh, gave us a nice suggestion. Andrew says, anyways, this team, they suck. That's not to say they all suck. (laughs) I love emails. But Cohen's choices so far don't make any sense and haven't been building a good roster. First of all, Lindor. I hate to kill the guy, just not impressed. He's a weak, streaky hitter, and we screwed our future at shortstop in an effort to make a big splash. I'd rather have Jimenez or Mauricio. There's four good hitters on this team. Marte, Nimmo, Alonzo, McNeil. Canna's average. Escobar sucks. The new catcher, Narvaez, is okay. Worst DH situation in the league in a weak bench. Where are the superstars? They're certainly not in the rotation. I hate Max Scherzer. Him coming to the Mets and falling apart was one of the surest things I've ever seen. (laughs) Same with Justin Verlander. We gave Jacob DeGrom away for nothing to win with these geriatric pitchers. Jake, six innings, 12 strikeouts, zero runs, by the way. But that's what we're going to do today. I think he was guessing what his line was going to be on Wednesday. He was wrong. Why are we spending the most money, yet there's not a spot on the field other than our closer who wouldn't even have any games to close if it had already been destroyed by the baseball gods who hate the Mets? This guy's losing his mind. I know one of these isn't on Cohen Epler, but there's an alternate reality where Zach Wheeler and Jacob DeGrom are both still pitching on the Mets and how different the world would feel. Billy Epler sucks. (laughs) I got to finish this email. This is a lot of fun. I know he's here to try and get Otani. Everything Cohen's done has been structured around getting Otani. But if that's the plan, we're going to wind up as the Angels of the East Coast more than the Dodgers of the East. There needs to be a plan and rant. That's cathartic for me. And hopefully I accurately relayed the frustration of the Met fan. Anyhow, that's from Andrew. There's a lot there. Um, I'm trying to think of where to start. The Met plan is very simple. The Met plan is they're spending a lot of money in the short term to try to win while they're building up a farm system. That's their plan. it's, It's obvious what they're trying to do. They have a good core of position players that are not geriatric and if Beatty and Mauricio and Alvarez hit they've got an even bigger core of position players the pitching like we've always talked about is going to be fluid through the years right now they're building behind Verlander and Scherzer then Max Fried's available then Corbin Burns is available and Brandon Woodruff and Shane Bieber and Shohei Otani and that's how they're going to build their rotation. So this is not a news flash on what the Met plan is. The Lindor thing is fascinating, Pete, because I think that's going to be one of those trades that, you know, we could sit here and do a whole podcast debating that. It is going to evolve year after year after year. I think we've, we're not even done with the Diaz trade because of Kelnick, even though he's off to an awful start. So 
I don't want to waste time analyzing would I rather have Andres Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario versus Lindor and then the money spent. It, it is an alternate reality. That's just a headache to go through because I think it's premature. We don't know what Lindor's tenure is going to be like here. And we don't know what Andres Jimenez is con- con- going to continue to be. The Wheeler thing is a Wilpon issue. That pissed me off too. I think in the alternate world of re-signing Zach Wheeler, Max Scherzer's probably not here. And maybe they are building behind DeGrom and Wheeler. But listen, man, it's just, it's an alternate world that's not worth living. It's just not. Willis Rifkin, I need to read his email because he turned out to be uh, accurate. He predicted the future. He wrote this on Monday. Evan, I always hate a day off after the home opener. But this year, it's looking like crap on Thursday and beautiful weather on Friday. Do you think we'll finally use our brains and reschedule it? (laughs) Will nailed it. I am very surprised. And we'll end on this, by the way. And of course, you could continue emailing the pod, the RicoB at gmail.com. I promise we'll try to incorporate more emails throughout all these podcasts that we do. I saw the weather for Thursday. And the weather I saw for the home opener that was scheduled to be on Thursday was it was going to start raining at about 3, 4 o'clock. Not ideal. Who wants to play the last few innings in the rain? But I could have sworn they were just going to play the game. And I'm mixed about this. And forget my own selfish situation. I'm going to go to the game either way. So this has nothing to do with me. I like the fact that they said to themselves, let's make a decision a day early. Let's avoid any possibility of rain issues and let's play it safe. I like that. I think Will Rifkin likes that. I think we all, Willis Rifkin, I think we all like that. Here's the problem. There's a lot of people, I know one in particular, a friend of mine, who was ready to go Thursday, scheduled an off day Thursday, cannot go Friday. And I know that there are people listening right now who are in the same situation where they now have to give up their tickets for Friday. So it sucks. It sucks when this is the day it's supposed to be. And with weather that doesn't even look that bad, you can it. So I'm very mixed about it because I, I absolutely see the positives of being smart and using that off day that's built in to begin with. But I know that there's a handful of people that are not going to be able to go because they couldn't go on Friday. They can only go on Thursday. Listen, I wasn't going to go either way, uh, so I'm going to watch from the uh, from the station, and I'm comfortable with that regardless. But now I get that. And then, you know what? I saw a lot of people on social media because it wasn't just the Mets that did this. The Orioles had to do this too. Yep. And I saw someone. I, I It was a little heartbreaking because she seemed like she was going through an illness and like she had like – she had just chemo on Friday. So she's mm-hmm. not going to be able to go on Friday. So that sucks. You got to remember there is real life attached to people that – love baseball and i heard steve appy call into you and he was the one person that said i want baseball to go on forever because it takes me away from the real life and that's the escape that baseball really does have on a lot of people it's it's with us the entire spring summer and into the fall so to kick it off this way sucks but not everyone's gonna be happy one last thing before we go who gets booed in the introductions if anybody um, hmm. I think two people will. I think it's going to be Escobar. I think it's going to be Scherzer. Yeah, I'm with you on Scherzer. I think Scherzer's going to hear it because Max Scherzer's last performance at City Field was very bad. He had a chance to erase that with two really good starts to start the year, and he didn't do it. So I think I don't think it's going to be overwhelming. I think it'll be a smattering of boos for Max and maybe a smattering for Eduardo Escobar, but I think it's actually going to be Max Scherzer who faces the most of it. That's my and opinion. I. 
and I think I heard you ask the question about whether or not Diaz was going to be there. Yes. I I don't have it in front of me right now, but I could have sworn I saw a picture of him on a plane with his feet up going to Queens. Yeah. That makes Am I sense. right with that? No, I, I haven't seen the picture, but it, it just makes a lot of sense that he's going to want to hear the adulation of the fans uh, because he's not going to get to it at any other point this season, you know, barring some kind of miraculous comeback. So it makes sense. And if that's the case, he'll get the biggest ovation. And it won't even be close. He'll get the biggest hand by Met fans. But if you are going to opening day on Friday, enjoy it. We may have a few more Ricos this week. We're popping out a lot of Ricos this week, mainly because the Mets are struggling. <laughs> Sometimes the losing brings out the Ricos. But we appreciate you listening to this long-ass edition. If you missed our thoughts on Game 1 and 2 of the Brewers series, we did have an instant reaction that was posted late on Tuesday night. So you can check that out if you missed it. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. 